So welcome to this episode of the Pivot Play Podcast. I am Jerry Anthony Thompson, and today I have with me the wonderful, the smart, the beautiful, the courageous Kendra Ward. Um, I will go down her resume, but it's it's really long. We'll get into it, but I can tell you that she is a mother. She is a coach. She is a speaker. She is an author. She is phenomenal. Uh, so welcome, Kendra. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. So let me let me start here. So, <clears throat> so a few of the episodes that we've done, you know, have been with people that I go way back with, right? So we go back, but in glances, right? So I know you kind of a little bit from Philly, and then kind of found you on Facebook and creeping into your lives in the morning, only because, and I say that because, like, when I look at your content, like your website. Um, and the things you do, like a large part of what you do is geared towards women. Yes. Right. So I come in, I kind of feel like I shouldn't be there, but you know, yeah, <laughs> you can't kick me out. Like I'm there <laughs> grabbing up the inspiration, just like everybody else. So, um, so let's get started. So yeah. So let's go back to Philadelphia. Cause that's the, that's kind of where I, I started knowing who you are a little bit. So take me from Philadelphia to Florida. Okay, so I am Kendra Ward. I am a lifestyle and business strategist for moms who want a fresh start and women who need a fresh start and also want to teach what they know. I am originally from Philadelphia, born and raised, went to Freedom. That's where I met you. Um, and from there, I opened a salon. So I've had a salon. I had a salon for 15 plus years. And in 2011, I decided to move to South Florida. I wanted to start a brand new life. I took my son, who was 19 at the time, with me. And um, I've been here for nine years now. So I have a 28-year-old and a six-year-old son. So I'm, I'm super excited about it. But that's how I ended up in South Florida. I left everything behind, my home, my salon, my family, friends, and clients. It wasn't okay. well-liked, but they, they got used to it. Okay. So let's go back to that. So, and I know a lot of people who have made their living behind the chair, as I call mm -hmm. it, um, and to walk away from that to do something else. So you, I like the way you said it, but you, you made it sound really simple. I know, you know, for us to leave something that we know that we're comfortable with, you have clients, you kind of know where your money's coming from. You pick up, not only do you leave that business, but you leave the state and go somewhere else and start over. So, um, kind of, it's not even why you did it. Cause I don't know that that's as important as getting the courage to make a shift like that. That's me. I am a risk taker. I find myself not as much as a risk taker as I used to be, but it actually was not challenging for me. And mm -hmm. I know this may sound crazy. It was easy for me. I don't have the, the story where I cried and I was like, I got my U-Haul I packed it up because, see, I already strategized in my mind that I was going to see my family consistently on a consistent mm -hmm. basis. So I didn't have that. Oh, my gosh, I'm thousands of miles away. I'll, I'll probably only see you one time a year. I didn't have that mindset. I had like when I put a vision in front of me and I have goals in front of me, I'm almost like a man in a sense when it comes to tunnel vision. <laughs> Sometimes that can be like a bad thing. And, you know, for a woman, but I was really tunnel vision. I saw myself in Florida. Um, I, I didn't have that, that story of courage where it was like, oh my gosh, I'm leaving everything. Like I was like, see you later. I'm gone. <laughs> so, you know, that's pretty much how it was. Uh, my family was there. They helped me put the last few boxes on the U-Haul. Mm -hmm. um, and before I left my salon, I already, it was already planned out. It wasn't like, okay, a week before or two weeks before. It was actually an idea floating around in my head for about a year, okay. right? I was actually going to move to South Florida. Well, I was going to move to Jacksonville, Florida when my son was in 10th grade because my brother and sister-in-law was married at the time. And I just wanted a fresh start. I wanted to move to another state, start all over because that's just how I operated in life. And I didn't do it because I was afraid to pull my son out of 10th grade. He only had two years left of high school and I didn't want to be selfish to do that to him. So when he got to, when, after he finished, well, okay. He went to college after high school, after 18, and then he did two years and he was done. He didn't, college was not for him. So I said, let's go. We're getting up and we're moving. We're going to do the South Florida thing. But the story gets deeper. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to give you the why. Okay. 
So as I told you two years prior, I was going to move to Jacksonville, Florida anyway. Mm -hmm. But I ended up going to Jamaica with my friends, okay? This is a Stella got her groove back moment. I ended up going <laughs> to Jamaica <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> with my friends in 2010, okay? And um, I was just getting out of school because I went to school for my educator's license, my cosmetology educator's license <clears throat> in New Jersey at Rosaria Beta Institute. And we went to Jamaica and I met my husband there. Oh, okay. So we were there and um, I, I didn't go to meet anybody, but it just happened to happen like that. And we started, you know, dating long distance, all that good stuff. And um, he lived in South Florida. And that was one of the, the reasons why I moved at that time. So when I moved to South Florida, I got my own apartment with my son and myself. You know, we ended up getting married a year later. And that's how I ended up in this part of South Florida. Now, granted, even if I didn't meet him at that time, I was still moving to Florida. So I right. tell everybody that I didn't move here for no man. <laughs> it wasn't like right. that. <laughs> so okay. that's my story in a nutshell. Okay. So when you got to South Florida, did you pick up working behind the chair or was this the beginning of the entire shift? This was the beginning of the entire shift. So, okay. So when I, when I moved to South Florida, I, I had in my mind, I told you I had this vision. I'm a, I'm a big, you know, visionary. So I had in my mind that I was going to open these chains of salons and I was going to open this hair school and I was going to start this hair product, but things were a little different. Okay. I became a mom all over again after about two years of being here, um, I became an author. And that's when the shift started to happen where I knew I had other giftings. I had giftings to speak. I was actually coaching my clients in my chair, but I didn't have a title and I didn't consider it coaching. I just was a, a resource. And I always had a gift of telling people, well, not telling people, but showing people what their gifts are. And hey, do you realize you're great at this? You should open a business doing that. So that's what I was good at. And I, I met this mentor. His name is Hassani Pettiford. And he's from New Jersey. I don't know if you heard of him or not. But not. he um he's big. He's been on TV. He's had his own TV show on BET and all that good stuff. So him and his wife mentored me. And he was the reason why I started traveling and speaking. He used to take me with him when he would go speak. So I spoke at all the black, well, not all, a lot of the black colleges. I went to Kansas and Atlanta. I'm down here in Florida. And then I started writing books. I'm now an author of eight books, but that's how the journey began. So my vision of uh, opening the schools and opening the additional salons did not come to play. Now I was out looking, but it just, it, it wasn't a right fit at the time. Right. So, okay. So you go out on the road and you start doing public speaking. So topically, what, what types of subject matter were you drawn to? What were you, what was your message to these audiences? you said that i had my book right here but my first one was called take your position another one was oh goodness um uh, it was called um i'll remember in a minute but anyway it was encouraging the college kids um to understand their passions understand their gifts that has always been surrounding me to help people identify what their gifts is identify what their geniuses is geniuses are because i've always known mine like my entire life i always knew what i was going to do as a little girl, I knew I was going to do hair. As a little girl, I knew I was going to write books. I knew that because I did hair and I wrote. Those were the two things that you can mm -hmm. identify with me. Um, and my parents did help to hone that gift. My stepfather and my mom helped to hone that gift. So that's that's pretty much where that started. So tell me about the tell me about the process of writing the first book. Oh, wow. So the first book is an autobiography. I, I had them right here on my desk. But the first book is an autobiography called In My Mind. I did have a, a challenging childhood and teenagehood, if you say. I was a teenage mom. I got pregnant at 15. So a lot of those books, a lot, a lot of uh, the content inside of that book is really geared towards me being um, promiscuous, me being a teenage mom, and then me conquering and overcoming and helping other teen moms overcome the challenges that they went through. Um, it's a story. It, it takes you through my journey of me building my relationship with God, talking to God, um, 
my relationship with my parents, my relationship with my peers, me being an entrepreneur, you know, so it really brings you through the entire journey. And I had my family at the time like, well, no, don't write it. You know, you don't want people. I remember my grandma. Don't write it. You don't want people in your business. I'm like, well, grandma, I'm, I I'm very careful. I make sure I don't put others out there, but I have to tell my story like right. God is telling me to tell my story. <laughs> so I will make sure you guys don't look bad, but I have to get my story out. So one of the things that I that will probably address in our conversation is just the idea of execution. Right. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people ideate. Right. They have a lot of ideas. They have a lot of dreams, you know, things that they say they want to do. They kind of fail at execution. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, again, I'm just listening to how you kind of pour this out, because I've, I've written a couple of books before and I know that it is a it is a process. Right. And. It's not the sort of thing that anyone's ever chasing you down and say, hey, you said you were going to get these chapters done. What about this? It really is an exercise in self-accountability for the most part. So if this is what I said I'm going to do. I'm going to hold myself accountable to get it done. So you seem to have that muscle. Like, I don't know that anyone has to, you know, the work police aren't coming to your door anymore. It's like, <laughs> hey, Kendra, you got some stuff to get done, girl. Let's go. So where is that just in you? How did you really sort of get a grasp on ex on execution because it it is like that is significant it's a big deal again it goes back to my tunnel vision it's a blessing and it's a curse it's a blessing because it helps me to execute but i am the type of person when i put my mind to something i'm all in like literally all in i remember writing my first book i wrote it in 2009 but i didn't publish it until 2012. I actually wrote two books together in 2009, but didn't publish both of them until 2012. Um, so going back to when I started writing. So, of course, my son was in school. I had a teenager at the time. So he was in basketball, lacrosse and all that good stuff and all that. I ran a salon. But on my downtime, I was not the type. I'm not a phone person, per se. I'm not a shoot the breeze type person. I'm like, OK, <laughs> let's get to the point. So you wouldn't find me on the phone too much. Yeah, girl, that just wasn't me. So a lot of my time was spent on executing. Yes, I still had fun. I still hung out with my friends and all that good stuff. But when I knew that I had to get something done and I wanted to get something done, I set aside a time. I time blocked. I, I set aside maybe two or three hours per day once I left the salon you know, made sure my, my child was okay. I may have stayed up from nine to 12 and worked on a book, woke up early that morning, exercised, prayed, ate, did my juicing and got back in the book for another hour until it was complete. And I literally hand wrote the first couple, the first couple of my books. Most people type them, but I literally hand wrote them. I mean, I had cramped fingers sometimes wow. because I can think better when I write. Now I'm smart enough to type, but back then it was, I just wrote it, you know, mistakes and all. So when I got it to the editor, it was her job to figure out what in the heck it said. Mm -hmm. but that's how I wrote that. So pretty much to answer your question, just goes back to being tunnel vision and just making sure it gets done. I always had this thing where I didn't want to get left behind. Hmm. So, yeah. So, whoa, so let's go there. What, so when you say getting left behind, what does that look like to you? I never wanted to be the person with regrets. Like, I'm a creative person. God created me as a, a hairstylist, a writer. You know, when you're creative, sometimes you can be a starter. And, and I'm not going to lie, I'm not perfect. I have started plenty of things and didn't finish them. So, yes, I may be an executor, but there's some things that didn't get finished as well. Sure. But when you're a creative person, your mind is always running. New ideas always sound good. That shiny object syndrome always is always present. But you have to learn how to identify what needs to be worked on now and what doesn't. Um, but I just, you know, I just knew that the things that I needed to get done, they, they had to get done at that time. I, I'm, I'm sorry, I forgot the last part of your question. I wanted to answer that. Well, just what it to you what it feels, what what image comes to your mind when you think about being left behind because you said oh, i never okay. want to be okay. left behind yeah I, I never wanted to feel again I, I never wanted to feel like i didn't complete what i started i never wanted to feel like i remember miles monroe saying something that the wealthiest place in the world is the graveyard because people have all of these things inside of them and they never complete them and i did not want to be them i wanted to leave this world empty i wanted to leave a legacy for my children 
So right. that's what that's what motivated me. So we're so here's why I'll tell you we're we're very similar. Like again, if I'm on something, I'm I'm on it, and it, it amazes me. And hopefully this doesn't uh, come out to to people critically because it really is a question. I don't understand often how people say they have all these ideas, and to me they sleep. You just you how are you sleeping? Now it, let me just say this: be fair. I believe that anyone can sleep, but until I've done what I'm supposed to do, I can't rest. I can sleep, but I can't rest. So rest. that that thing is just in me. Um, and I wonder, maybe it's a little bit of, you know, maybe I got a little OCD, who knows, <laughs> but it drives me to get things done. I was, it was, um, we had sort of like a virtual family reunion a few weeks ago and I was just kind of going down the list of some of the things that I had done just during the pandemic, because, you know, a lot of people have been binge watching shows and, mm -hmm. you know, just putting on weight and eating food. I'm like, okay, so I've done three music videos. Wow. Um, I built the golf simulator. Then I wow. ran off to Vegas and now I'm a certified, you know, golf teaching professional. That's awesome. <laughs> um, I read some books. I've coached the junior PGA team. I started this podcast. I mean, wow. collaborating with other people I've been coaching, I've been mentoring. So like to me, like you just to do it's like and people are like, are you always like this? I'm like, yeah, this is yeah. kind of my groove. And so I noticed that in some situations when I'm mentoring and coaching, like I'm really searching for patience. I'm searching for being able to see something through somebody else's lens. Cause sometimes I just want to reach out and, you know, shake them just, a, a little bit, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Bit. Like, like if you could just get this one thing done and, or, and, and prove it to yourself that you can do it. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Then to me, that will give you the energy to go do the next thing. So, and I know that you must encounter people that have all kinds of big ideas and they can talk to you for hours about their dream and their vision. And you've been coaching them for a while and they like to, they, they one half baby step from where you started. How, how do you manage a client like that? It, it can be frustrating. It really can. Um, and I, I, I deem myself to be a very patient person. But I, I, I really screen the people that I work with. And I am the type of coach. You have your different coaches. I'm not too familiar with the names and the titles. But you have your coach. You have people that plant. You have people that water. And you have people that grow. Well, when you need to be planted, you come to me. Now, there's some people that I can water and grow. But for the most part, I'm planting people. I'm, I'm helping you to get clear. I'm helping you to identify where you are. I know another coach, one of my colleagues, She's a grower. She doesn't want a planner. She don't want to plant nobody and she doesn't want to water anybody. She leads leaders. You have to come to her already knowing what you want. You, you don't need coaching on how to get there. You already know you just need help growing from where you are. Right. But I get you in the baby stages of I don't know what I want to do when I'm good at this. And it can become a chore sometimes because everyone. Well, some people have different learning styles mm -hmm. and then some people have so much fear that you can tell them a thousand times, hey, this is the way, A, B, C, D, here's the strategy, here's the blueprint. And then they'll get excited, they'll run off and they'll come back, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, okay. So it's just a matter of patience. And after a while, when I really feel like, okay, you just either don't want to do this because you love, you're, you're so used to the struggle. Some people are so used to the, I don't know how, because it, it keeps you in a comfortable place because you've right. always operated like that. So when I start to recognize that, I'm like, okay, I'll either shorten our time together or I'll say, listen, I'll give them ultimate. Listen, you either get on the ball and let's make this happen or we, we just can't because I, I can't exert all of the energy telling you the same thing over and over again. So right. that's how I deal with it. Yeah, I, I saw um, one of your pieces of content basically was on how to break up with a, a client. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Had so to I, do that too. I, I think that that's phenomenal. And I think for me, I just really believe in human potential. I think mm -hmm. that we we come here with these amazing gifts and abilities. And I think while people are complaining about a lot of what's happening in the world, I really do believe that every person that is born is another answer that God has sent to a problem, mm -hmm. to a situation, to a challenge. 
Um, and oftentimes mankind goes without because there's so many people who won't pick up the mantle and mm. make their contribution. Like you're here on the planet. You should not just be a taker. You should find something to offer, something to give, mm. build your value proposition, do something that makes a difference for humanity, for just yeah. everybody else on the planet, not just yourself. Yeah. So it's interesting though. So you, um, so you're, you're, so I'll call it this way. So if we were in, in, in class, it'd be like the one-on-one class. So you're really good at the one-on-one class. There's some things I can do one-on-one, one-on-one, but other things you got to get to me at 103. So like, yeah. because I'm in, I'm in executive leadership. So I've been in this corporate space for a really long time. If this is your first management job, I'm not, I'm not the guy yeah. that you want. Cause I'm going to come at you so hard. <laughs> yeah. I'm just expecting, right. And if we're talking for a while and like, you've never read a book or you've not looked at a YouTube video, you've never had, a, I am not, I know from the door, I'm not for you. Yeah. You know, and maybe that's just me as I get older, I just, maybe I don't have it, but if you're into it and you have some experiences, some things that we can draw on and you can see yourself and how you impact your own circumstance, then we can work. Mm-hmm. So the one on ones, you got all of them. I but, is- but 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 <laughs> let me let me interject there. Um I you just said something. The older I get, I'm like, listen, I got patience and all, but we gotta get we gotta make this happen because that's a lot of energy. So I'm finding myself when I do have when I do work with clients that have already know what they want, they just need a little help and tweaking. I find myself flowing better because I can move faster. I don't have to spend so much time helping you to get clear. Like you're already clear. You just need to know how to put A, B and D together and really quickly. Right. So I'm finding myself enjoying working with that type of person. So I don't know. I might be over there with you in a couple of years. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can do it in some things like, again, so as a um, as a teaching professional for golf, it's a lot of people that I know are going to be starting from the beginning. Mm hmm. Right. And starting from the beginning is one thing, but you also get people who've been kind of added on their own. They really haven't been doing it right. Just the reason they come to a coach. Right. Um, And so there are still certain things that you look for. And as a musician, I've been I've been that way. I'm really I'm willing to teach anybody anything that I think I know, Mm -hmm. anything that I've been successful at. But I'm just it's always you have to bring something to the table table because it gets old. And the other thing I think and man, I don't want to get stuck on this because I'm getting older thing. But also, you know, as we see people leave here, it just is a reminder how short life can be, right? And how do you seize these opportunities? Because opportunity to me is still a window, but that window's not open forever, no. right? And you're either gonna get through there or it's gonna close mm. and you'll be searching for the next. So part of it is that urgency of seizing the time. So back to that, how, how do you impress urgency upon a Woo! client? That's good. <laughs> That's really good. I think I've been operating in that mode since my 30s. Seriously, Mm -hmm. I've been operating in that sense of urgency because I know we're not going to be here forever. You ever look up and it's two years later and you're like, what happened? Like, where did the two years go? Just like that. Literally. Yeah. This year has been a really challenging year. I lost my father. I lost my brother. I lost my uncle. And my wow. brother and father died within 30 days of each other, father and son. And my brother was killed in Philadelphia by the police. And my father died 30 days later of cancer. So I'm from, I'm in, I flew to Philly to go to my brother's funeral. My dad picked me up at the airport. And then 30 days later, I'm back at the airport. Dad ain't there no more because I'm coming to his funeral. My mom picks me up at the airport. Wow. So. And that was back in February, March. So to me, life is so short. When my brother died, he was only 40, 47, healthy, all of that, but just chose, you know, and I'm, I'm looking at all the potential. When my father died, him not leaving much behind. And I'm like, but he was so smart. All of the potential. So that woke me up this year. Right. And it really, and my my uncle just passed three days after my birthday in August, massive heart attack, was fine the week before. And you know, that's my grandmother's son. She's 91. She just turned 91 last week. And I'm looking and I'm like, all that potential. And they didn't even touch half of the surface. Right. Time was being wasted. 
So it really just woke me up like, you're not here that long. But the Mm -hmm. days that you are here, utilize them to the best of your ability. Because now, play, play time is over. I'm not saying you can't enjoy your life. Because God doesn't want us to live where, you know, we're, we're working, 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 and we don't enjoy the fruits of our labor. But you should not be working from paycheck to paycheck. Paycheck. You should not... Um, just be surviving. You should be thriving and you can thrive off of utilizing the gifts that you have been given and the time that you have been given. And what you said, the time slots that we have is not going to be there forever. See, we think that, okay, I got time. I'm going to work on it. But could it be like that gift can, that thing can be passed to somebody else because you didn't do it. And I don't want that happening. I'm not trying to look at my thing running across social media because I didn't do it. No. The only way I want to see my thing running across social media because I was the leader. That's it. Well, that happens. So, man, you just said so much there. So, um, first of all, really sorry for your for your loss. Right. And we've seen so much of this and still people are comfortable they don't have the urgency, right? And again, while it feels like, it seems like the message is hard, there's love behind it, right? There really is this desire to see people release these gifts, use their talents, and really just experience joy and peace in a different way. Um, And like you said, there's nothing wrong with people having some entertainment, having some fun. Mm -hmm. But I think for me, the choices that people make are mind numbing, right? There aren't things that really excite the brain in such a way and being in survival mode. So I know I was, I was raised by a survivor to be a survivor. Right. And so breaking that cycle mm-hmm. is not an easy thing. Cause it's like being in an orbit and it just keeps going right in space. There's no friction. So unless something like in physics, you know, they say, you know, um, a body of motion will stay in motion until it's acted upon by an external force. Like something has to happen to push you out of that orbit into something else. But then when I see people get pushed out, they exert all their energy to get back in that orbit again. Like it is so uncomfortable once they go out there. But I'm like, no, that's where you need to be. The relationships that can help you are there. Yeah. Right. The opportunity is there. If it was where you were, you could have stayed there, right? But there's this urging. And so, you know, so I I admire the fact that you have this energy that allows you to get up and do a live and just speak all this inspiration and encouragement to people. Because I think that, I believe, obviously, people are listening to you. I think it's important. Um, And just, and sometimes we don't know our, we don't know the full impact and who we touch, right? So it could be much later when people come back and say, hey, that one thing, and it might be a thing that you forgot you ever said to them. Mm, right? Yeah. I'm sure you've had that experience. Mm-hmm. And like that thing you said changed my life. I'm like, that's awesome. Because you have yeah. no recollection <laughs> that you ever. Yeah, <laughs> like I don't know what, but okay. Yeah, that you ever. And so, it, yeah, it's kind of interesting, this, this phase that we've been in these last few months, you know, not just with the realities of this, this virus, um, that has taken so many lives, that has interrupted industries, it has devastated economies, it has, and it has gone to war on relationships, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, the rise in domestic violence and just all these things as a result of Children, people yeah. don't know what to do um, with themselves and, and they're in close quarters now with people they didn't like before. Now they can't get away from them, I guess. It's a but, mess, yeah. So it, it's, it's, a, it's a lot. And um you know, but even in this, though, there's still opportunity. Yeah. Right. Um, you don't have to go down with the ship. Um, there's a way for you to seize opportunity. So I was watching one of your lives one more. I'm pretty sure it was one of your lives. And I don't know if you said that you expected to see a downturn, but it's been the exact opposite. There's been more people coming to you during this time. So talk to me about this shift that's happened in your business. And okay. all these people who are now looking for Kendra Ward. All right. So back in. OK, so when COVID started, mm-hmm. my business now, my my target demographic was hairstylists at the time. Hairstylists only, you know, hairstylists, we work with our hands. 
So if we don't have other streams of income and our income, which most of the stylists, their only base of income was what they did service based in person. Now, if every salon is shut down for months at a time, I think Philadelphia was shut down almost five months. So you're looking at a hairstylist that I'm not going to say they don't have any other skills, but most of the hairstylists came straight out of high school, straight to hair school, straight to a salon. That's all they did. They were used to making $1,000 a day, $3,000 a week, over 10K a month. They were used to that. They used to making 10K plus a month down to zero. Okay. Right. Or some people were probably sneaking doing it at home, but literally COVID took their entire um, income from them. So a lot of them, I guess they got the PPP and things like that. And some of them had additional streams or sources of income and they wanted to like a lot of people. I knew their businesses were exploding because people needed coaching ASAP. People were in this desperation moment. Well, prior to that, I had stopped doing one on ones because one on ones take a lot of time and energy. Mm -hmm. I started doing group coaching. But a lot of the people that wanted to work with me wanted one-on-ones. They were in this need and me. I just kind of transformed my style and started adding one-on-ones. But I got burnt out. Mm -hmm. This is the truth. Because I can have this flowery story and oh, wow, and it was wonderful and great. It was wonderful. I I, I took so many, I couldn't take any more, but I got burnt out. It was taking time for me working with my son, um, my six-year-old. I found myself sitting at my desk for hours at a time on a computer. Dinner wasn't getting ready when it needed to be for my my children. And um, it was challenging and I got burnt out. And what I had to do, I even messed up on a client. I I was supposed to work with somebody, but I was like, I can't take it anymore. We had some miscommunication and all that good stuff. And I stopped. When I finished that crew of clients, I stopped. Mm -hmm. I didn't take any more. And I did something that I do not um, admonish anyone to do. But what I did was I stepped back. I stepped back from social media. I stopped going live. I was on a good, consistent flow. I had people's attention. But you know, how many know when you step back from social media, you literally have to start all over again when you come sure. back because it's out of sight, out of mind and other people right. want other people to work with. The algorithms have forgotten you. <laughs> they don't even know your name anymore. And um, when I came back eight weeks later, that's a very long time to literally cut a business off. I don't require that. But I felt myself shutting down. And that's what I had to do for myself during that eight week period. I had to restructure some things. I had to restructure my business model, my target demographic, all that good stuff. So I came back and I slowly started building and I'm still in the building process of getting. I don't want to say getting what I had back because I'm going greater. But I'm you know, I I was in that process of just building back you know, with a different business model, adding a different demographic and all of those things. But yes, my business definitely exploded, but I was not prepared like I should have been. Hmm. I give you the truth. I don't, I don't have the flowery story about that. Uh, Listen, listen, (laughs) I get it. Um, But there's a heart there, right? To to help. And there's a demand and there's opportunity. Obviously, there's, you know, there's revenue there as well. Of course. But again, but, you know, it's it's interesting, though, because, again, we're in a period of time that none of us have ever been like there's no roadmap. No, really for this. Right. And to see how people are going to react and what they're thinking about. Like I said, we just talked about COVID, but then there's, you know, social unrest and then there's the racism. There's there is a lot going on. Right. We're in an election year. It is just like, you know, the whole universe is just like upside down, upside down. <laughs> you know? And so, but there are people who have fallen into the despair I and mean, you haven't, and you haven't done that clearly. No. And so in this refactoring and, you know, so how important is it to identify your target audience? Oh, wow. It's super important. First of all, it will really eliminate you from spinning your wheels over and over again, because so many people go live. So many people create content but they're not talking to the right people. So when you're not talking to the right people, people, other people are grabbing your information, but they're never going to work with you because they're not actually your ideal clientele. They may say, oh, you encouraged me today or you motivated me, but they may go work with someone else because they're not, when it comes to what they actually need in their life and their business, 
you are not speaking to their pain points fully enough for them to work with you. Um, so it's very important to know the, the, the demographics, the psychographics, people's buying habits. You know, um, what are they searching for? I always tell my clients to go on Google Trends to see what's trending, what their clients are looking for. Go on Instagram, see what's, you know, see what's going on, see what's um, uh, popular right now. Not that you have to copy, because I, I really believe that you should not be going on Google to see what your giftings are. You should already know. Um, but just to get some strategy. Because <laughs> a lot of people, what should I do? I don't. What's what's the latest thing now? Let me just jump on that, and it's not going to last long because you're not going to be. En it's not going to be enjoyable. Um, but I do say that it's very imperative to learn, even get a coach to show you how to identify your target. Um, when you come authentic, when you know your messaging, when you get your messaging clear, and when you know what you're offering. Um, your people will literally be right there in front of you. So I, I, I really think that it's important to know that. It really so that is. was going to be the question. Are you finding them or are they finding you? It goes both ways. I feel like when you first start out, I feel like you have to find them in a sense, in a sense. But I feel like once you have got your marketing together, once you've gotten your branding, and I'm not just talking about colors and logos, I'm talking about your brand personality. What do people say about you when you're not in a room? You, you are your brand, you know, so you you are your brand. So once you get all of that together, then the people will begin to find you. You don't have to go chasing. Yes, we have Facebook ads. Um, you know, yes, we have a, an amazing platform, a free platform that a lot of people need to use properly when it comes to live broadcast. There has never been a time in our life in history where we didn't have to spend thousands of dollars to get in front of people. And I don't know why people aren't taking advantage of it. Like, I really don't. Um, but well, yeah, go ahead. they're doing it. But it's, it's so interesting. It's like, people's lives have just turned into like a 24 by seven photo shoot. Mm, gotcha. Right? I'm like, I don't need to see another booty. I don't need to see another. <laughs> I know. Like, it's just like, if you have another angle, like this is, this is the angle. Like it's just yes. it's like, they're all turns like, are you really are impressed with your own behind? Like, you, yes. Like, yes. Yes. And so I think people are using the, but again, I just, it's just this whole thing that, what is entertaining for some people is just mm -hmm. is mind numbing. It doesn't develop. It doesn't take you anywhere. So so let me so let me ask you this question because you said something interesting when I asked you, do you find them or do they find you? So two words. So for you, what is the difference between intention and expectation? That's good. Or my part or my target demographic for you. Just how do you process those two words? What do they mean to you? Intention means to me being focused, being intentional on that thing that you need to conquer and accomplish. Everything has a ripple effect. So if you are not intentional on your moves, if you are not intentional on what you're doing, a lot of people say, oh, I want to be successful. I want to have this beautiful home. I want to have this nice car. I want to have this, this amazing business, this thriving business. But they don't do it. They're not intentional. They don't write any plans of action down. They don't write. They don't create a profit map. Um, they don't create things that will get them to that place. Uh -huh. You won't be able to reach where you want because you spend so much time watching TV. You spend so much time playing games, video games. You're on the phone. You're, you're spending all your money eating out. But you want this thing. You're not being intentional. And then we always like to say, well, you got to live life. You got I get that. But you have to do what you have to do so you can do what you want to do. And a lot of people don't want to give up. A lot of people don't want to do what they have to do so they can do what they want to do. They want to jump straight to doing what they want to do first. Right. And I'm a firm believer. Some may disagree that you got to do what you have to do first. You have to sacrifice that first. You may need. And this is just as simple as you may need to go to the supermarket and purchase your food and cook for the week instead of spending five and 10 and 15, $20 a day on breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Right. Because now when you add that up, you don't spend about six or $700 a month on eating out. And that six or $700 a month could be funding your dream where you can eat out all you want to when you get to that place. So that's what intentional means to me. That's mm -hmm. you know, in, in one aspect. Okay. Um, and, and you said execution? Ex expectation. Expectation. That's loaded. <laughs> yeah, no. 
<laughs> I'll answer that the best way I can. Okay. Expectation. I don't expect anything from anybody. Okay. I expect me to do what I have to do. I've learned in this journey that people are very fickle. Mm -hmm. Like I'm done putting my expectations in people because people are fickle. They'll be one way one day. They'll be on your team one day, team Jerry, team Kendra, you know, and then the next day they don't even know who you are. So I don't I don't really live off of expectations of others anymore. Um, of course, when I build a team, of course, when people are working for me and doing things for me, yes, I do expect you to have that job done. But I expect to have my ducks in a row. So when my ducks are in a row, it can make it easier for you because I can't expect you to deliver what I think you should deliver if I haven't delivered what I should have delivered, if that makes oh, any sense. Right. Yeah. So I'm with you. So you and you said something else that kind of jogged my, my thinking, too, is you know, doing what you have to do so you can do what you want to do. And and people really do can adopt this sort of microwave view of what success is, right? And and how often, you know, seeing someone like yourself, someone like me, someone who's an actor is like, you know, and they just blew up. They're like, well, I've been doing this for 20 years. You just hearing about it, you know, but I've been, I've been committed. I've been in the trenches. I've been honing my skills. I've been learning. I've been building you just didn't know about it, mm -hmm. right? And so that's the idea of something that goes small and then you build scale, right? So those, but I think there's, there's, and social media has a lot to do with this is that people are attached to celebrities and personalities and they believe that these celebrities and personalities are leaving them breadcrumbs and they're not, right? There's all those other steps, the pain, the challenges, the confusion, the doubt, all those things. They don't they those aren't the things that typically show up in, in social media mm -hmm. or in an interview. And it's until people get connected to someone like you, like, oh man, there's really there's work here. Yeah. There and there's work every day. Mm -hmm. Right? Like you may take a day off, but it doesn't mean at some point you're not thinking about the next thing. Because it's just almost impossible to completely turn it off. Um, but I think that that's it's is great what you said, and people have built. An expectation. So there's so there's intention is expectation, and then there's the masses that are sort of drowning in entitlement, mm, right? They just good. think it's just supposed it's just supposed to just show up because I'm and I'm here because I'm here because I want it. Mm, no. And let me tell you, it's more challenging right now than it ever was because everyone is online trying to make money, trying to get other people's attention. And now people's attention span is even less because they have so much rolling and scrolling up their timeline that you are just a drop in the bucket now. So you literally have to make sure that you are intentional or you'll get passed by easily. So and I and I don't want to turn this into like a word quiz, but I just you just saying things. I'm just like, OK, so let's talk <laughs> about so let's talk about value then. Mm -hmm. Right. Because that's the difference between all the things you can scroll through and the thing that, that, yeah. that you stop at and that can hold your attention. Right. So when you when you think about Kendra Ward, you know, and all the things you do, what do you think the value is that you bring to people? And just what I'm bringing here, I bring. um I don't I don't sugarcoat. I don't tell you everything that's going on in my life because you don't need to know. But I don't sugarcoat. Like if, if I'm having a rough day and if I feel like sharing that day, I will. I'm not going to sit here and blow smoke screens. Oh, you can make ten thousand dollars tomorrow. Just do this, this and that. I'm like, nope, you have to go through these steps. Sometimes you're going to go. You're going to feel like you're going 10 steps backwards and you got to, you know, so I think that that's the value. I also bring the value because I'm very authentic. Mm -hmm. um, Again, I, I try not to to feed you false reality. Right. And I, I speak to a lot of my clients' pain points. You know, I'm a mom, so I, you see my kids up there all the time. Um, I, I live real life, everyday life. Yes, I may come on with some lipstick in the morning and long hair one day and short hair the next. I get it, you know, because I'm I'm a hairstylist. I mean, I that's part of my brand. That's who I am. I'm not trying right. to, you know, be somebody else. That's just who I am. But I think that the value I bring, I speak directly to my people. I'm not for everybody. Everybody's not for me. And that's understandable. But I'm, I shoot from the hip. I don't pacify. 
and I don't like to be pacified. So I don't pacify. Right. So I think people that I know people respect that. Um, I'm very good at strategy. I, one of my mm -hmm. clients told me that the other day, I'm very good at strategy. There's a difference between being a coach, a consultant, a mentor, um, a coach, consultant, mentor, strategist, right? There is a difference. I am a strategist first. Okay. I'm a mentor second and I'm a coach third. Okay. And I don't want to be a consultant. Right? <laughs> uh, even though I find myself consulting. Do you still but do hair? Not anymore. Okay. Because you, you weren't alive. You were making a wig. So I said, it must be for her then. That was a prop. That was a prop. So some Mondays, I call them mannequin Mondays. So what I decided to do was in my content, a part of my life that has been my entire life, all of my life. So I use that as a prop. And I'm very clear when I come on, I'm very clear on when you first start, when you come on, when you come on my live and you replay, I'm very clear, guys, I'm making this way for myself. You guys can just jump on in. I don't say I'm doing it for a client. I don't work for a client or anything like that. But it's it draws people. They like to see movement and action. So if I, I've needed to use a prop, those props will maybe once a month on a Monday, right? And then I come on Wednesdays called Wealth Wednesdays. I'll be sitting behind my desk. And then on Fridays will be Freedom Fridays, Fun Fridays. You'll find me maybe exercising somewhere on a reel or I don't do TikTok anymore, but on like on a reel or on a video or I'm cooking food in the kitchen or something like that. So those are like the freedom days. I'll be in workout clothes. So that's how I kind of set my content up for the week. So that's why you saw the man again. Okay. And it's people's interest. Right. So I'm trying to think, was that before or after the photo shoot? I think it might have been. That was after. That was last week. After. Actually. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's hard to track. You guys lost. <laughs> yeah. On. I have. I, when you when you when you get there, I have another business that I had to share with you. I only had two businesses. It seems like a lot, but I literally only had two businesses. But this second business was definitely inspired and it's, it's really going to blow up big time. OK, awesome. So, so let's do this because we've been about 46 minutes. So we'll make sure that we. I don't want to hold you too long. Um, so, so let's jump to this, right? So let's let's talk about money, mm -hmm. right, for a little bit. So there's a person who has this passion, they have this dream, they have this idea, they have this goal, this vision, whatever, and they put in this work and they build a structure and they go out, and they're sitting across from this potential client, and now it's time to ask for the money, mm -hmm. right? Now there's a there's a statistic that says that by and large, even most salespeople just never ask for the deal. Mm. They present, they'll do lunches, but they never just ask for the business. And there's also some data that says that you have to ask like seven times. Yeah. Right? So yeah. These different closes, right? You have to close. There's a soft close. There's a Ben Franklin. There's a puppy dog. There's all types of different closes you can use, but they just never ask for the money. And if they do ask for the money, if they were thinking this is 500, it's like, you know, maybe I'll, I'll ask for a hundred, you know, you know where I'm getting. Right? Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. so how do you coach people to understand their value and their worth and to price their value and what they're offering the right way and just ask for very confidently ask for the money? Okay. Go ahead. I'm going to be honest with you. I struggled with that big time. I think that, and I'm going to start off with that first and then I'll go into how I help my clients. I think that, not I think, I know that the imposter syndrome is real. I know that um, the self-esteem part is real. You can create this amazing product, but in our mind, it's always like, well, will people really pay for that? Or then we have this thing, well, they don't really have it, so I'll just lower my prices. But that is one of the biggest things that entrepreneurs and business owners struggle with, as you said, because we're always digging in other people's pockets. We don't know what people have, but we assume, it's two things. We assume what's in other people's pockets, and we don't think what we're offering is good enough, is valuable enough. And we don't think no one else is going to pay for it because we've seen someone else do the same thing and they're seen better in our mind. We keep mm -hmm. shooting. I did a live talk about it this morning. 
we keep shooting our stuff down. We keep shooting our stuff down. Yeah. So go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, you're you're right. And you mentioned imposter syndrome. And so I, I know that I have experienced that mm-hmm. many times. And, and you know, and when I'm transparent and honest about it, people look at me like, that's not true. Oh, I know that it's true. Right. Well, you've accomplished this. You've done that. But I, I can't always say to you that I've been 100 percent confident in it. Like I've done some amazing things. I've been in amazing places. I've held amazing positions. I've made amazing money. But I'm I'm not always my best fan. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm just not. We go through those moments. I mean, like I said, I, I came into this through a very obscure path. Right. You know, I got ready to graduate from high school. I had no intention of going to college. So I ended up applying to one college, Lincoln University in Oxford, PA. I'm sure you know some people who probably go wow. to Lincoln. <laughs> um, I didn't finish because I had to start my career and I continued mm. to learn. And as I continued to do well, even in the corporate space, I knew I was going up against people who did have degrees and they had this pedigree that I didn't have. Now, again, I was constantly sharpening my knives, learning how to become an excellent communicator, how to write, how to speak, how to conduct myself in meetings, how to negotiate, all all those things. I was in the woodshed doing the work, but I didn't have the credentials. And it really affected my confidence. You know, there was probably some bigger opportunities. I just never, I didn't go there, right? Even when they were offered, I turned around and walked in a different direction. I did eventually go back and finish Mm -hmm. um, and then probably pulled a candor because I did two degrees in two years. I went back and did an undergrad in 13 months and then did it turn right around the next month, started an NBA in 10 months. Wow. And knocked it out. Well, you you would have done the same thing. I'm pretty <laughs> pretty sure you would have done something yeah, pretty yeah. pretty similar to that. So, um, but even at that, what's interesting about going through that process, Kendra, is that didn't erase it all. Mm. It didn't because well, then what school did you go to? What was your GP? You know what I mean? It's yeah, always yeah. something, right? So, people understanding that self doubt can creep in, but if you have something that you know is valuable, mm-hmm. it is that, you know, and I've taken less for something and I've felt awful while I was doing it. Mm, yeah. 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 Have you been there? <laughs> and then, and then you get re, re uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You get uh, regretful, you get resentful mm-hmm. because now you find your, <laughs> you find yourself resenting the person that you gave a discount to because now they want more. Right. And now you're getting mad at them because we know in business, the less you charge, the more complaining people you attract, the mm-hmm. more people pay for something. They just want to get their results. They they give you the money. They just want the results. They're happy. I'm not saying they don't complain, but most times when you when you charge less and I, I can go back to the salon days when you charge twenty dollars for a shampoo and curl or whatever, whatever. Those are the people that, that want to be in the mirror. Can you fix this? And, and then it's like, oh, my God, I should have just charged her like fifty dollars. Do you know what I mean? At least I would have got my money's worth. So, yeah. So I, trust me, people have been through that. I've been through that. You do get resentful. And it's like, oh, why did I do that? I knew. And what hurts is when you give somebody a price and guess what they what do they say? I, 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 uh, well, you tell me because I was thinking about all the people they're going to tell who then they show up wanting that same price. That's what, but I what do they thinking. say? That's all you charge, right? <laughs> and you like, oh my god, I could have charged more. <laughs> and you can't go back and say, well, if that's how you feel, you already told them the price. Yeah, there's a there's so, and I'll just say it because I don't know if he's going to see this or not. But the guy who currently cuts my hair, back, you know, and when I found him, I'm like, wow, that's really. It was almost so inexpensive. Like I don't know if I should go to him because I don't know if I'm gonna get a good haircut. Something wrong. Yep. Right. Um, and I was like, well, it's the Midwest. Blah blah blah. It's like, nah, I don't know. But anyway, so he's my barber, and you know, so that's his price. You know, tip him and all. Mm-hmm. And then at one point, there was a notice that he's gonna raise his prices. And I'm like, and as soon as he sounds like good, yeah, like I would, yeah. I would pay ten dollars more for that haircut. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean. I just paid 54 haircut like when I was in Philly a few weeks yep. ago. Um, and so it's the value, right? If you give me the service, but also, I mean, I understand like if you, if you're delivering a service to me, now we're in partnership, mm-hmm. right? I don't want mm-hmm. you going out of business because you haven't been charged <laughs> enough from all your other clients mm-hmm. where you can afford to keep doing it. It's like, no, I got to go get a full-time job now. Like, yeah. I don't want that. No. But here's the thing. All these months later, 
he hasn't raised that price yet. Mm-hmm. Right. And now just because we're having this conversation, when I see him next week, I'm going to bring this up to him. Yeah. Like, hey, why don't you want to raise your price? People are scared. Because again, we we number one, we're not working with who we really want to work with. That's mm. number one. So tell we me are, more about that. Because I'm thinking for my barber, I'm the exact type of client he wants to have. Well, so. I don't mean all. So I'm, I'm just, not <laughs> saying in all cases, right? But again, we want the money, but we're not going after the people with the money. Now, I'm not saying all, but we want the money. And even if we are working with the people that have the money, we're not asking them. People are only going to give you what you ask them. Mm-hmm. But I know, and I'm go back to salon again, because this is where we're on. I know a lot of stylists that want to charge $200 for a shampoo, cut and blow dry, and they can get it because people pay it, but they end up charging 50 Right. Because they're scared to say, they're scared that if they, they ask for that, what they want, that that client is going to leave and they feel like they're going to be left destitute. But that's when really? faith comes in and you have to jump out of the boat. Well, and, and it could be a, it, it could be a cycling too, right? You raise your price, it allows these other people to cycle out while all the other people you really come in are, are prepared to serve, yeah, can cycle in. Yeah. Because if you look about it from the standpoint of a salon, the higher paying client can't get in the chair if the lower paying client is still sitting in it. Yep. That's you gotta good. let you gotta let them go. You gotta let them go. <laughs> you gotta let them go. And and to the coaching now. A lot of people want to pick your brain or in your inbox. Oh, how do I put this digital product together? This and that. And you have to charge for people picking your brain. You have to charge for your information. We're out here doing these 12 week courses and things like that, charging people $99. And no, you get, you're going to get resentful and regretful again. Right. Yeah. I'm a, And I'm going to leave that right where you left it. Cause that's exact. That's it's, but it is an evolution, right? We have to grow. We have to become more confident. Yeah, it's a, it's a process. Um, it's a, it's, it is a process. But we, I, I believe that we need that encouragement. Yeah. We need a structure and we yeah. need accountability. So I'm someone coaches the coach, right? Mm-hmm. You have a coach. Yes. Okay. What, yes, do you, do. what do you get from your coach? Because most people would think, it's again, because we have this whole thing like I'm the center, I'm everything, and they wouldn't think that you would have. So let's just make this simple. Why do you have a coach? Okay, let me tell you my story real quick. I know we can't be long. I we stay as long as you want. Listen, okay. Just... <laughs> In 2016, when I first got when I first wanted to do this, I hired two coaches. Um, I hired one coach that was like a Rolls Royce, and I hired one coach that was like a Benz, right? The meaning, the Rolls Royce, she took her time. She had low volume, but very high ticket. The Benz, she had high volume, but low ticket. So I was getting the best of both worlds. It was new to me. Mm-hmm. I just hung in there. Fast forward, I hired the Rolls Royce again Uh, the beginning of COVID. $11,000, paid her full. I hired wrong. Yes. What I got from her in 2016, and she's amazing, nothing against her at all. But what I got from her in 2016, her business had shifted during that time. It was mm-hmm. more personable back then. It was more intimate. The programs ran more with what I needed. And when COVID, when I told you during that time, I started to feel overwhelmed and burnt out. I was I was searching. I need somebody. I need a, a coach, blah, blah, blah. So I remember the feeling that I felt, because remember, people work with you through feelings, right? Mm-hmm. I remember the feeling I got when I worked with her in 2016. So I hired her again. It wasn't the same. No intimacy. I was left just like a number. I even cried because so, I, I, I have an accountability partner. I did because $11,000, that may be small to some people. And yeah, people drop it every all the time. But to just drop it and not get what you need is like, I could have put that somewhere else. Well, first of all, Kendra, people don't drop it all the time. Just to throw Well, I'm, but I'm just I'm saying, some people message. look at it like, you know. <laughs> no, no, I feel you. But for $11,000, for $11, I'm expecting, to, like, I'm, I, that needs to be, I need to feel the shift. I need to feel the change. I need to feel no. the impact of that, right? She had three levels. 
the $11,000 level, she had a $25,000 level, and she had a $45,000 level. So fast forward back to the coach. I hired the coach, but I didn't get what I what I needed because I hired wrong. I'm not putting the blame on her. She did her job. I didn't hire correctly. Anyway, so fast forward, I started to find other groups to be a part of. I looked for other coaches. Now I am a part of some amazing accountability groups because literally what I needed, it wasn't necessarily that I needed a coach at that time. I needed, I felt I felt lonely. Sometimes in this entrepreneurial journey, it gets very lonely. And I felt like I didn't have any equal peers. So at that moment, that's what I needed. So now I'm in some amazing accountability groups. I do have a coach now, um, but I have some an amazing, I have a ama- I have two amazing accountability partners. And guess where they came from? <laughs> the eleven thousand dollar program. Really? Okay. Yes. So I really didn't waste my money because I got them to as a blessing. Right. So we coach each other and it is it's just phenomenal. We keep each other account. We hold each other accountable. Um, we follow each other on social media. Hey, take that down. Put that up. That doesn't look good. That looks great. And that's sometimes what you need. And that can be your coaching right there. Because right. sometimes people will charge these astronomical prices and they're not really there for you. You know, right. so you just have to be mindful and make sure you're strategically researching that person. Watch their lives. Look at their websites. Look at their testimonials, which is a plus. You know, look at live testimonials, not just written testimonials. Go on their page and see if they have people actually creating live video testimonials. I'm I'm a fan for that because anybody can write something, but I want to feel the emotion when your client is speaking about you. I want to look in their eyes. Are they just saying this from a script or they really mean it? You know what I mean? So that's really important. Hmm. Interesting. All right. So you've said a lot. We've said a lot. But I think that um, the one thing that I always hope to get from a conversation with someone are the breadcrumbs, like something that someone can pick up that they can follow. That's really what what pivot play is all about is this idea of stopping on a dime, changing direction, doing something different, being, you know, taking on a new challenge um, and finding, you know, peace, joy, success, abundance, whatever it is that a person is looking for. So I'm always looking for the breadcrumb. So I think that, again, uh, your energy, your story, um, just the, the inspiration is something that people can easily gravitate to. Uh, it's a shame you don't have male clients. I don't know, but we're not going to go there. I do. It's no. funny. I had male clients. I did. I, I, it's so funny. A lot of these female coaches that you think only coach women, they may have pinks and purples on their website, but they have a lot of male clients. Okay. Well, I just, I'm just going by the literature, Kendra. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> no, but I, I think you're, I believe that you are amazing in what you're doing. And like I said, I'm, I wish you all the best that you Thank continue you. and whatever this next venture is, that's going to b- blow up. I want to share that really awesome. quickly, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Please do. And, okay. then, and also let people know how they can find you. Okay. So this new venture, I have two businesses. I am a firm believer in working on one thing until successful. I'm not a firm believer of being, there's a lot of serial entrepreneurs. There's nothing wrong with that. I just know my brain space can't take that. So even when you say I do a lot of things, those things are encompassed under one umbrella. Um, I know the difference between sources and streams of income. The source is the actual house and the streams fall within their house. So my coaching and consulting is the source and the speaking, the this, the books that falls under that house. Then I have another source that I am starting up, which I'm super amazed. It should be launching in the second week of November. I've already paid off. It's a boys grooming, a luxury boys grooming hair care line for boys between the ages of three and 12, and it's luxury. There will be a barber spa coming after that. Um, so I just signed up, I just registered for to, to be a participant in Damon John's. He has a, oh gosh, he has a grant going out. So hopefully I'm one of the candidates to get chosen because it's an amazing idea. But not only is it about the hair care line, it's about building our multicultural boys, of course, our black boys, building their self-esteem up, building them up. Um, Mm -hmm. We also have children books that go along with it. We have a clothing line. So everything encompasses in one. My target demographic, of course, are the moms, um, the moms of boys and the dad of boys. 
But when the boys see the product and when they see the boxes hit their home, it's going to want to make them groom themselves better. It's going to let them know that they are kings and priesthoods of this world. So I'm super, super excited wow. about it. Um, I already have some moms. I haven't really put it out there yet. I already have some moms really in anticipation waiting for it. And it's a vegan and a natural organic hair care line. A uh -huh. line. Um, but it's not your average kid bottle that you see on the shelf. Um, I don't know. Well, we'll when you see it, you can share it with your audience. But I did. That's what the photo shoot was about. So I had my baby do a photo shoot on the same day. He has his suit on and his, you know, his T-shirt and hair is nice and groomed. So the branding, I'm, I'm working on it now. So it's really going to be amazing. And especially, I think I'm going to really hit that off on Instagram more so than Facebook. So you'll see more of it on Instagram and Pinterest. So I'm really excited about it. And it's called Gabriel Ian, the Gabriel Ian collection. Nice. Look at you. That's what I'm talking about. Take it to the next level. I'm yeah. all about that. Yeah. So again, wish you the best. If there's anything you need that I can help with in any way, just let me know. Yes. Um, I'm I'm easy to find. Not always easy to catch, but I'm easy to but find. Easy to find. <laughs> <laughs> no, I try, but you know how it is. We all have a lot of on, yes. a lot on our plate, and there's always yes. people looking for us. So I've held you for over an hour, and That's I okay. certainly appreciate the time. I've been really looking forward to this conversation, so I'm fine. I'm glad we well, finally. I, I hope you got what you were looking for. I I, I hope you got what <clears throat> you were looking for. Well, I'm satisfied, but it really is about the people, right? Who yeah. who will get to see this and experience, um, you know, really what it is that you have to to offer. So, I thank you so much for being on Pivot Play. Oh, All let right? me tell everybody where to reach me. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Yep. Um, you can reach me on candraward.com. Everything that I have is on there in one place. I have a mastermind that will be starting the second week of November called the Revamp Mastermind. It's a 12-week mastermind. I literally take you from beginning to end on how to build your coaching and consulting practice as well as your educational platform. So by the time you leave the mastermind, you will already have a digital or two product up. You will already have a client or more. You will not leave this mastermind without having at least one client. Mostly everyone that have left my mastermind right now, some of them are making consistent 5K months. I have about eight authors so far, sold out conferences, book launches. They've already started their coaching and consulting practices as well as their membership program. So I really give you some great value within this. I make sure that, and I have guest speakers as well because I don't know everything. There are some topics that um, like when we get deep into sales and we get deep into marketing and deep into content creation, I have other people coming in to assist me so you can get the best value possible. Wow. So again, it's kandraward.com, the first button, the mastermind revamp. That's what I'm talking about. All right. <laughs> Thank All right, you. you guys. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. And we'll